Hi, welcome to Dr. Chi's Salon. So I dug this out from the vaults, so I hope that you'll enjoy this oldie but goodie. So this episode is a conversation that I had with Dr. Jennifer Jung Kim, who's a professor at the time at UCLA, um, who teaches classes about Korean popular culture, food, media. I hope that you appreciate this oldie but goodie. Um, this is the first part of our conversation, and I'll be releasing the second part very soon. So please keep your ears open and your eyes open. Make sure that you follow and subscribe so that you'll be able to know when new episodes are released. And without further ado, here you go. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Dr. Chi here, Dr. Suji, and um, I'm here talking with Dr. Jung Kim about um, her work on Korean culture and history. Um, and could you tell us about yourself? Okay, I have a PhD in Korean history and I teach a whole bunch of different classes at UCLA. I teach um, courses on, um, operative courses on Korean history that are primarily for majors, but I also teach some um, just uh, undergrad courses, I mean, uh, uh, lower div courses on things like Korean popular culture, um, intro to East Asia, and I teach a um, fairly new course on East Asian foodways, where we look at how East Asian food has intersect or interacted with uh, food from the West and also um, kind of made a reverse migration back. Like for example, California rolls, which definitely are not authentic sushi, but um, you know, they kind of were invented in America. And then uh, it's interesting how it's also gone back to Japan. And like, for example, things like Panda Express, you know, which is not authentic, but then it's also gone back to Asia. So it's, you know, all these intersections and constant um, evolving of foods. Got you. Interesting. So um, how should we approach understanding Korean culture through K-dramas? Okay. I think there's a lot there that is um, accurate. Uh, in terms of Korean culture. But I think if you look at Korean dramas as something that's entertainment plus um, commercialism and that you can filter through the parts where, I mean, you know, just like you can tell all the product placements, you know, be able to say, okay, people don't actually, you know, <laughs> use products like this. And, you, know, um, you know, if you can see through the, the um, you know, the, the commercial capitalism part of it. And I think you can see a lot about um, Korean society and culture that is in there. The historical things tend to be less accurate historically, but, you know, I think in terms of things about Korean society, a lot of things do hold true, except there, of course, you know, an awful lot of coincidences in Korean dramas that don't necessarily happen in real life. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think a lot of it is pretty, uh, it's a pretty good depiction. Also, I like to look at K-dramas as a barometer of what is really, um, um, you know, concerning society. Like, for example, you know, in the last couple of years, there have been a lot of dramas about single moms. And I think that's um, some subtle, subliminal message there about, yes, you know, uh, women should um, be single moms rather than, you know, um, for example, you know, having abortions. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that's because of the negative pop population growth in Korea. They're really trying to 
encourage people to have children. Um, so, so I feel like, you know, like when you see, like when the camellia blooms, um, what was that other one? I just, I forgot um, this woman and she's got like three different men interested in her. And like, the question is kind of like, oh, who's the dad of her? Oh, um, uh, I just watched that one about how, it was like they're making a, a film, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to make a film. Oh. Um, right, Sylvia, was it love? Yeah. Yes, I just finished watching that one like last week and I yeah. really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, so I think with these, you know, that's, you know, I mean, so I like to watch them to see what um, are the, you know, issues right now. Itaewon class, definitely, you know, the the transgender character, um, the the character who um, um, was, had come to Korea looking for his birth dad. You know, so these stories, I think, I mean, there's, there are elements of it that are very accurate of what Korea is really concerned with right now. I hadn't thought about it in that way. That's the themes that there are particular themes that are emerging because Korean society is seeing those things as like being salient or something as like maybe a social problem or a social issue in the society. So um, in our communications beforehand, um, we talked about historical dramas and just now you mentioned that like they're usually very inaccurate. And I remember saying like, I don't really watch them very much. And then you saying like, I don't watch them either. Can you talk, talk, talk to us more about like your experiences with historicals? Yeah, I don't like to watch ones that try to be really accurate. And I think some were, did a better job than others. Like um, Tejangam Jewel in the Palace was fairly decent. And they really explained like, you know, a lot of the foods and different, you know, med uh, medical um, concerns, things like that. But, um, you know, like Queen's Hunduk, which is an old one. But, you know, my students often say, oh, can I write my paper on that? And I'm like, you know, the actual historical stuff that we know about Queen's Hunduk is like two pages of a book. Um, they made up everything. And so I have a little bit of trouble with that. But the ones that to me are just comical, like I can watch, I watched Mr. Queen enjoyed it a lot because to me, that's just comedy. It's, it was a romantic comedy. It was not trying to be historical. Um, what else did I watch? Um, the Tale of Nopdu, again, you know, it was totally unrealistic, but I thought as a comedy, it's fun. That one was unrealistic because, you know, I mean, like, you know, like, same thing with Mr. Queen also. Back in Chosun, um, you really didn't have elite women going out in public, especially, you know, in the company of men they weren't married to, you know, it just was unheard of. So those things were really inaccurate. But I think just as comedy, they're fun. I really liked Mr. Queen. It got a lot of criticism for its portrayal, but I, I did like it. Um, I didn't watch um, Chosun Exorcist before it was pulled. But apparently they're retooling it all, bringing it back out. So, you know, I definitely try to watch it then. But I generally don't like, I'm not that big on zombies, so I didn't watch Kingdom. Okay. So you mentioned that there is um, scandal around Mr. Queen. Um, can you talk to us a little bit more about that scandal? Yeah, they didn't like how the, uh, the main character, the queen, um, was really kind of very brash and, um, you know, uh, the way she treated the king. Uh, so the, if you haven't seen it, the premise is that the main character is actually um, a chef from the present day. Somehow he had a near death experience and he switched bodies with the queen from the 19th century, early 19th century. And it's kind of an odd premise, but um, so he goes there, he doesn't want to be her. He just wants to come back home. And he's very outspoken, very brash to the king, which really wouldn't have happened. 
Um, so, you know, there's some criticism about that. Um, but, you know, but I think it's fun because it's nice to have this really strong, you know, female character as many dramas do. And she really transforms the king from this person who really had a bad reputation in real life, but then she transforms him and he, um, um, and, and the two of them end up falling really in love with each other and he becomes this king and like he um, advocates, he, you know, he, like he, totally unrealistic. He says, you know, maybe we should have this thing called an election that you talked about. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was like laying the groundwork for a constitutional monarchy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you telling me that that wasn't true? <laughs> Not till 1894. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I watched Mr. Queen. I really enjoyed it. And it's funny because like I normally don't watch Sagooks. I tried to watch I think it's how is that how you pronounce it? Sagook. Sagook, okay. Mm -hmm. Um I remember trying to watch um the something something scandal song ones. Oh Song Jun Gwan Song Jun Gwan scandal. Yeah, Song Jun Gwan scandal with Park Min Young. I think she's in it. I watched three but two episodes. I was like, I just can't do this. And um and I watched another one recently and I was like, I just can't do it. And part of it was like I had trouble believing that people lived as long as they were saying that they were living. Like why are all these like there are a lot of middle aged people here in these in these shows and the thing about like women just walking about, like you know, there's no problem with women just like, you know, going to you know the library to, or like the bookstore to go buy books. Really could women do that? Yeah, elite women would not have done that at all. So yeah, it's it's quite unrealistic. Okay. And so, and the demographer in me is often like, well, those people really live that long. What, what, can you tell us a little bit about like how long people were living um, in the Justin area era? Or yeah, I mean, I think that you know, I mean, life expectancy on the average was pretty low, but there are even among you know famous figures, people who live to be you know in their eighties. So I would say you know, although it wasn't the norm, some did live quite long lives. Mm -hmm. I guess okay. it really varied but again these are um you know elite aristocrats not peasants who are working you know in really harsh conditions how come they not show k-dramas about those people about peasants yeah I think Mr. Sunshine was the closest where the main character you know is, is supposed to be a lowborn who somehow I mean for a lowborn how does he end up in America becoming an, an officer in America totally unrealistic um you know and then going back to Korea. So yeah, I didn't watch Mr. Sunshine. That's another one that I thought was not realistic enough. Okay. Um, you mentioned Joseon Express and that there was drama around that. I haven't seen Joseon Express. Like what was the what was the premise of that one? Oh, Joseon Exorcist. So well, um, yeah, so um, that one is supposed to be where King Sejong, who's really the most beloved, most honored of the Korean kings from Joseon, um, how he's kind of like dealing with like I don't know, like demons or something. And it makes him look bad, which Korean people did not like because he's so revered in Korea. And also um, there was a lot of, well, um, I think, you know, it, they made it made it, it made Chozon look kind of very pro-Chinese at that time, which on one hand, I mean, they are, you know, looking up to Ming China, but not to that level. Um, so yeah, that's really, you know, so it was, twofold, not only about historical accuracy, but also about, I think, really the Chinese um, production company that was involved. And somehow maybe that also had a commercial reason why they were um, playing up China. Also, you see, you know, like, there's a lot of product placement in Korean dramas, because that's how they make money. 
Um, you know, you see that oftentimes there's one car company that will be the product placer and mm-hmm. everybody drives that car. Like, um, and it's okay um, not to be okay. You know, the nurse was driving a Volvo, um, which was a little bit odd, um, you know, I didn't catch it, but my husband said, oh yeah, they talked about how, you know, just like for her, she says, you know, she doesn't need a fancy house, but she has to have a good car. So that's how they work that in there. Um, But, you know, just like the cars, you know, are very lavish. Another funny thing is, um, this is cynical, but, um, and it's been, uh, somebody wrote a scholarly article about it. They said, the reason there are so many time crossovers where there's one section, one segment that one storyline in the past, one storyline in the present is because they can't do product placements in the past. There has to be a contemporary, um, you know, co-plot or, you know, parallel plot in order to do the product placements. So with dramas that are set, like in the Joseon era, is that part of why they're so expensive to make? Or like, how do they get around that? Oh, there are entire sets in Korea that have, you know, the different time periods. So they use those sets. They're large sets. Um, There's like a big set that's the colonial period. They use a different set that's, you know, there are a couple of big large scale sets for outdoor, um, you know, that have like palaces and stuff. So they use those. So I don't think that they necessarily cost more, maybe more in costuming, but um, they don't cost more. But, you know, people um, love the historical settings, but I think people like it even more when there's like a, you know, a contemporary thing. Like, remember um, My Love from Another Star? It takes place in the present, but they have these flashbacks to the past. I think because Korean people, many of them are history buffs, um, you know, and many of them learn their history through dramas. Like my uh, one time I was out to a dinner with some um, relatives and their friends living in San Diego. And um, the husband in that family said, oh, you're a historian. I love history. I'm going to sit next to you at dinner. And I was like, oh God, you know, he's going to keep telling me you know, his entire understanding of history is going to be from dramas and I have to deal with this. Oh, got you. So yeah, I mean, a lot of people watch dramas and think that that makes them experts on history. Okay. So my first question was, how was that exchange? Was it okay? Or did you, were you, did you like inwardly roll your eyes half the time? I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there was one point where um, I used to um, host this annual, like a, um, a Korean trivia contest, but it was like trivia based on history and things like that for kids. Like we had an elementary division, I think middle and high school divisions. And one time afterwards, after we gave out the prizes, somebody came to me, a parent, and said, you have your history wrong. I know because I, well, I saw it on a drama. I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> no, no. People are not coming up to you, Ms. PhD, in history saying, oh, no, 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 you don't know your history because I watched this drama. People are not coming. No, don't tell me that. Happens. <laughs> Oh gosh, I'm like too drunk. Okay, so like it's interesting that you mentioned this because I feel like same same things happen in the United States where like we watch historical dramas, like movies especially, and when they okay now I understand history. Like a lot of us in the United States rely on um, you know films and television shows to help us understand history. Um, I I'm just wondering like, do you think that it's the same with people who watch Korean dramas? Is it exacerbated? Is it because 
this is just the American way of learning? Like, do, do you know if people in Korea do the same thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, definitely people in Korea do that do that a lot where they watch something and then they feel like, okay, now they know everything there is to know about a certain topic because they saw a movie on it. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty typical. One thing that I'm trying to retrain myself is that, well, I watch a drama like Alice, right? That's very I kind of sci-fi. Oh, okay. And I'm like, um, okay, so I, I don't say, okay, that's how Korea is. You know, we don't have time travel, obviously. So I should really suspend my sense of belief when I watch or disbelief when I watch historical dramas as well. I, think. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't know what you're talking about. There's t- time travel doesn't exist. Like, speak for yourself. <laughs> I time travel all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, I wanted to, so you brought up the relationship um, that South Korea has to China and how um, there's like entire like Chinese production companies that have an influence on Korean dramas. Is that still the case? Like, I remember like hearing here and there, like reading pieces here and there about tenuous relationships between China and South Korea and how it's um, demonstrated itself in K-drama land where like China has like stopped having a lot of products come from South Korea. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what is the relationship these days? Yeah, so when South Korea deployed the, that, the terminal high altitude air defense system, um, China protested by basically saying that Korean um, entertainers could not perform in China. Um, they really blocked a lot of the, even the airtime that Korean dramas had in China, and they didn't let Chinese tourists go to Korea for about, I think it was about a year and a half. That's oh. eased up, but there's still, you know, um, different tensions. Um, and then couple of years ago, Korea and Japan entered into kind of like a trade war. So it's, you know, a lot of economic, political, diplomatic things going on that all overlap. So in terms of China, things have eased up. There's still, um, you know, Chinese tourists in Korea now um, and Chinese production companies, you know, are involved, like even in America, you know, I see a movie and, you know, opening credits, you know, you see, you know, like a Chinese uh, production company had a part in some big American blockbuster film, you know, things like that we see. Um, So, you know, the Chinese are really diversified. They invest so heavily in so many different things. Um, So I am seeing more and more dramas that have a um, Chinese co-production. There was a film, like, for example, it was um, produced in Korea and they did all these co-productions in different Asian countries um, where it's the same theme, but instead of just you know, saying, okay, you can you know, buy this um, storyline, the Korean um, original Korean company did co-productions in different countries that the same movie was remade multiple times. I cannot remember right now what it was. I'd have to check my notes. You know, I, it's interesting because I was just talking to um, uh, a person on Clubhouse about um, the drama Mother she was like, this is like one of the best dramas I've ever seen in my life. You have to see it. And I was like, okay. And so I went to this webpage, my drama list. And I looked at Mother and there was like 20 versions of this drama, Mother. There was a Japanese version. There's like a Thai version coming out or it's already come out. What's interesting is this is not a drama. It's a film. But My Sassy Girl was um, originally a um, an internet um, novel. So before Webtoons, you know, they when phones weren't, it couldn't have a lot of graphics. Um, uh, there were um, internet novels. And so My Sassy Girl was an internet novel that became a very popular 
romantic comedy in Korea. And it was remade in Japan as a drama, um, uh, dr uh, drama series. It was remade in China. It was remade in India. And it was remade also in America. The funny thing is the American one, My Sassy Girl, it did not go over because certain things, I mean, the Indian version went over really well because there's so many similarities. Like there's a scene where, um, I mean, there's one storyline where the parents are trying to set up the um, girl with different men. Um, works in India. Doesn't quite work in America because we do not, you know, parents don't set, set up our children on blind dates with the intention of getting married to that person, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Also, uh, there's a scene where the openings or one of the opening scenes where the girl, the main character, is really drunk. Um, the, in the American version, you watch it and you're like, oh my gosh, she's got a problem. You don't look at it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So some cultural things are just not going to translate well. Yeah, there's a scene in the American version where the guy doesn't know what to do with this drunk girl he sees on the subway. So he takes her back to his dorm. Um, the thing is, and then he ends up in dorm jail. I'm sorry, we don't have dorm jail. Dorm he's jail? going to get in trouble for date rape and he's going to go to real jail. There's no yeah. dorm jail. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I mean, so like, wait, in the Korean version, did they have sex? Like, was, was... No, no, he okay. takes her to a, to a love motel because he doesn't know where to, what to do with her. So oh. he takes her to a love motel. Um, but then um, the cops do come. The cops are alerted and they do come to the love motel and they arrest him. But, you know, there's... Oh, but they no don't do that in the U.S. version. Huh? No, that's in the Korean version they did that. That's oh, and yeah, I don't know why, you know... Also, I guess in the U.S. version, I mean, frankly, you know, you bring a girl to your dorm, it's not a big deal. Um, but they were trying to make it seem like it was a big deal. Dorm jail. Other than know. she's, you know, drunk and um, passed out, which is not good. <laughs> no, I'm surprised that, that 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 wouldn't be a reason for somebody to call the police in the U.S. Yeah. version. Because we've seen yeah. lots of like even high profile cases like that where guys are taking advantage of women yeah. who are inebriated, right? Can't give consent if you're inebriated. So you mentioned that um, there was there were tensions between Korea and Japan recently. I was like, I wonder if that overlapped with that that drama, The King Eternal Monarch, <laughs> because there was this like storyline about like a potential attack on Japan. And I was like, where did this come from? I don't know. I wonder if that that might be where it came from. Yeah, it was about during that time. In fact, still, it just, it's interesting because, you know, because of the 35 years of colonial experience and all the, I don't know, rivalry between Korea and Japan, you know, even after that, it really continues to play out. I was in Busan during the Beijing Olympics and I was in the, the big famous um, seafood market where it's an entire building and there, it's the entire place is a seafood market or seafood restaurants. I was there and it was the Japan-Korea baseball game. And every time um, the Korean team um, got, a, uh, um, you know, got on base, it was just like the whole building was shaking in thunderous, you know, applause and shouts. So it's def there's definitely a lot of rivalry between the two countries. And so you see that you know, continue to play out. Um, my good friend was living in the States for a year and um, I asked if I could buy her son a Nintendo Switch, and she said, no, it's Japanese. Oh. I was like, you're turning down a free Switch. <laughs> wow. And I wonder how her son felt about that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think the same thing. I mean, he was okay with it. 
Okay. Um, you know, I mean, like it's so ingrained, even though actually yeah. her parents own a house in Japan and they used to go like once a month to their house in Japan. Wow. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Sylvia says, yeah, the Japan shade is real. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Eating pepper over Pocky every time. I didn't know that there was a difference. Yeah, pepper was the Korean brand. Pocky is the Japanese brand. Oh, uh-oh. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to get caught up in the, the Pocky Pepper Wars? <laughs> so I'm like, I, I like them both. I don't know. Thank you for listening to Dr. Chi's Salon. You can follow me on Twitter at Chinyaro Suji. And you know, if you have any questions for me, you'll feel free to DM me and I'd love to hear from you. For listening to Dr. Chi's Salon. You can follow me on Twitter at Chinyaro Suji. And you know, if you have any questions for me, you'll feel free to DM me and I'd love to hear.